This morning, uh, as most of you know, again, welcome to those who are joining us online. We, we have been working our way through the book of Revelation, and we're going to take a, a break from uh, that as we're celebrating uh, the 4th of July, Independence Day for our nation. In his message this morning, uh, Andy Stanley, we were watching for just a little while this morning, and he made a comment. He said, you, many of you in this room are entrepreneurs, and you remember sitting around the table with your friends and with the, the, maybe your family and, and some business partners saying, you know, we should, we should begin our own company. And the first thing you had to do was talk about your product and your mission statement and your vision. Now, can you imagine a group of guys sitting around a table saying, hey, we should, we should start our own country. Like, I mean, the way this thing is going, this is not going the way it should. We, we should start our own country. How would you like to have been part of that conversation? We think about the 4th of July, we think about barbecues and fireworks and spending time with friends and family and getting a pontoon on the lake. And it is time to celebrate the freedoms that we're given as the United States. It's time to celebrate that. But at the same point in time, we need to look at the spiritual component. And generally what pastors will do is they will take this opportunity to talk about the freedoms that we have in Christ. And that's, that's right and well, and it's a good thing to do. But I kind of want to look at some of those passages of Scripture that we use and just see how important they are to us as a nation, as a whole. One of the other things that, well, we'll just we'll keep going for a minute. In John, in the book of John, John writes this in John chapter 8 and verse 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Does, is that, is, is the truth always easy in your life? Sometimes truth can be very difficult, right? And sometimes when you know the truth, it even kind of can seem to take us in a downward spiral for a while. But the truth John says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8, and drop down just a couple of verses in verse 36, he said, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, right? And he's talking about this freedom that we have in Christ, this freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from, from hurts, freedom from rejection, freedom from pain. Anybody ever felt any of those? You don't have to raise your hand. We've all felt those kinds of things in our life, Right? We felt those things that just kind of want to hold us down. 2 Corinthians, Paul says to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and he's talking to the church, verse 17. He says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. One translation says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We can have liberty when we're in Christ, right? Right? Isn't that a great thing? How many of you are, are grateful you don't have to walk in shame and guilt and fear and anxiety anymore? You good with that? I'm good with that. In my, I'll raise both hands. But sometimes we don't see that manifest in our life. I mean, sometimes there seem to be struggles. I have an acquaintance, several, uh, a friend of mine several years ago, a number of years ago. He was from Canada, and I always thought that maybe explains a couple things about this friend of mine, but he would say how often Americans have it wrong. He said, you Americans, you got this all wrong. You, you, you got it all wrong. You keep saying, God bless America. He said, if you will look at the freedoms that you've been given as a nation, you should change that around and say, America, it's time to bless God, right? Do you think it should be our turn to turn around and say to God, we just want to 
We just want to be a blessing to you. Instead of, God, I want you to do this. Cheryl talked about the being pressing into prayer. And instead of prayer always being about what I want, what I need, what I, how, what's, how's this going, how, what about just turning around and saying, thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done, everything that you've received. She mentioned Pastor Leslie. For those of you who don't know Pastor Leslie, he is our missionary, one of our missionaries in Haiti, where they've got 38 kids and they can't figure out how to feed them. Where they have, they have such poverty, such dest- it's so destitute. Literally, we were there and we had little kids walking around. We would dispose of, of garbage. It was a, there was a can, I remember in particular, one little can that somebody had had a fruit cup and it was in a can and, and that was in the garbage. And a little girl, two years old, three years old, is walking around through town licking that out, trying to get any little bit of sweet or sugar or anything that she could get. That's the type of poverty. We don't. We don't experience that type of poverty, do we? Most of us have not. I'm not saying we haven't had some hard times, but most of us have not done that. And, and the deal is, is as a nation, we are living in some of the most confusing times because as a nation, we're not there, right? As a nation, you can, if somebody sneezes and somebody says, God bless you, somebody's going to have a protest right after that. We are ready to protest at the drop of a hat and forget the grace that God has put on us. It's as though we feel like we deserve it all, right? Like God should just pour this, but don't say that God's going to do it. You you see the the confusion that we live in? Today, I don't want to spend, I'm going to highlight a little bit. I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on negative and crazy stuff because there's so much out there that I could spend time on. We don't have enough time just to talk about the negative and the crazy. But there are a few things that I just want to point out. Our court systems have become so, so crazy that kids can't pray at high school football games. That's crazy, right? I don't know if you know this or not, but the Ohio State motto used to be, with God, all things are possible. Do you know that that's now constitutionally uh, Uh, that's been labeled as unconstitutional. For 50 years, our nation has said it's okay to kill babies in the womb. And our Supreme Court has finally said, that's not okay, that should not be a law. And we have people protesting it all over our country. We realize how insane that is. First of all, I want to say... We need to continue to pray for that ruling. We need to continue. We have a a president. I'm not throwing stones. I just heard him the other day say that he thought it was absolutely unconscionable that our Supreme Court did that, and he is going to fight to reverse what the Supreme Court just reversed. We need to pray that God would move on our behalf, right? You know, someday we should be able to look at our history and go, I can't believe there was a time when we allowed babies to be killed in their mama's womb. I pray that we'll realize that. Really realize it. This all goes back to a question I posed a couple of weeks ago as we're talking about the book of Revelation and the question is, how, do we, how did we get here? As a nation, how did we get here? We go from a nation who fought for freedom and independence 
from England and from tyranny and from religious uh, oversight to now we want to have civil war and conflict at, at, at the drop of a hat. You realize that we're, we're a little secluded up here in the north woods of Minnesota, right? I have a friend who lives down in the cities, and he told me that he has a friend who does business, and there are certain areas of Minneapolis he will not go to unless he's carrying a gun. How many of you feel like you got to carry a gun to go to Walmart? Trent keep, Trent, keep your hand down. Where's Trent at? Okay. If you think about this for just a second, I think about my own grandkids. You know, when I was a, when I was a young man, I, 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 I was a salesman, and I, I remember traveling to Babbitt, Minnesota. You may not know where Babbitt is, but as you come into Babbitt, there's, you're, you're on a bit of a hill, and it kind of reminds me of looking at, like, one section of the church here. Like, the whole city is surrounded. There's streets all the way around, and then there's mine dumps, and it, it kind of reminded me of Mayberry. Or I just remember thinking, you know, as a kid, those kids could get on their bike and they could ride all over town. And when the streetlights come on, doggone it, you better be home. And, and we better do this and we better do that. And, and, but you don't have to worry because everybody's looking up for everybody and everybody knows. And when I was a kid, my mom would throw us out in the morning. It's like, go, come back sometime, but go, get, go do something. If you're out in the woods, that's fine. If you're over at the neighbor's, fine. We used to ride around a country block. Folks, that's a long ways on a bicycle to get to my buddy's house where we're out. If you're under 10, just plug your ears for a minute, okay? Where we would play with 22s and shoot squirrels and go and just have a, a grand old time, and nobody was even around or looking. Okay, now you can unplug your ears again. And that world, I'm, unfortunately, that world is kind of gone, right? I mean, for me, I think the big deal was uh, Jacob Wetterling when that abduction and that happened. And, and it's like the world just kind of changed. And, and my grandkids may never recognize that day. You know how sad that is? They don't have that kind of hope and that kind of freedom. So how did we get here? Well, I think it all has to do with our freedom. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, Peter says, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. How many of us want to take our freedoms and just use it to the nth degree so that it's all good for us, and I don't care what happens to anybody else? Now, if you're sitting here in church, I hope and I believe and I trust that you're not that person, but the reality is every one of us has that inkling within us. Galatians chapter 5, Cheryl shared it just a few minutes ago. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In In other words, God has come in and he's set you free from sin. Don't step back into it. Right? But that temptation's always there. Most of you know that my truck broke down several weeks ago and a friend here from church has offered me his vehicle. When you sit in the cockpit of that thing, I mean in the driver's seat, you know everything I've ever driven, 60 miles an hour is like straight up. Here, that's 60, 65, you're right up there. On his... 60s way down here. 
That speedometer goes up to 180 miles an hour. Now, I can't tell you that I, I know that it will do that. I, I don't. But I can tell you this. If you go to pass somebody at 65, you better be careful because I looked down and I was doing 105. Not, not now, but right now. And that, that wants to get me in trouble because I like to go fast. I drove it to the cities. Oh, boy, we should shut the TV off. I don't know if I want people to know. I drove down to the cities the other day, and me and the, uh, what is it within me? I'll just generalize this. Maybe it's just men. Maybe it's all of us. But what is it within me that thinks that when I get down to Minneapolis, for some reason, I should be ahead of everybody? You realize, I tell myself, Tim, you, you can't pass everybody. And then I, I you can't pass, and then this side's going, but you could try. It's, just, it's like I'm, I, got, I, got, I have to set it on cruise control because everything within me just wants to go out. This thing will do 180 miles an hour. Yeah. So that's my weakness. What's yours? What's that thing that you want to step into all the time? What's that thing that we as a nation want to step into? We've been given so many freedoms, and yet we have taken those freedoms to the absolute extreme, and we've put ourselves back in bondage. It may not be a physical bondage, but it's certainly been a spiritual bondage, which, by the way, will lead to a physical bondage every time. The great Paul Harvey and so many of his Okay, I was born in the 1900s, so I remember Paul Harvey. Some of you might not. But Paul Harvey used to say on a regular basis, there can be no self-government without self-discipline. There can be no self-government without self-discipline. Uh, Alan Keyes took it a step farther and he said, there can be no self-government without self-control and there can be no liberty unless it is grounded in moral discipline and the ability to do what is right. If we don't control ourselves, then we cannot govern ourselves as a nation. It is impossible. We will take those freedoms and we will take them to excess every time. It's exactly what Paul prophesied 2,000 years ago. He wrote to Timothy and he said this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, arrogant, you know me, I like going through this list and going check, 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 check. That's the world we're living in. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. We were raking the yard the other day with a few of my grandkids. And I'm like, all right, let's get these sticks picked up. And they're like, I don't want to. I'm like, I don't care. But I don't want to. I don't care. This is not a democracy. It's a theocracy, and my name's Theo. Let's get these sticks picked up. Let's get on this. this is not a, I didn't ask your opinion. You know what? God does not ask our opinion about what we think is right or wrong. You notice that? At no point do I find in Scripture, by the way, we're voting today to see what... Nope, that's not how it reads. We're told, as a matter of fact, to hide his word. How does a young man keep his way pure? Hide God's word in your heart. Why? So that we might not sin against him. He does not care what your opinion is at some point. He doesn't care what my opinion is. 
His word lays out what is right and what is true. Paul goes on and he says, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. If we don't have self-control in our life, if we're treacherous, if we're rash, if we're explosive, if we can't get our lives together, if we can't have a little bit of self-control, God tells the church, don't have anything to do with those folks. He goes on. And he says, they're kind of like, they are the kind who worm their way into homes to gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. I don't think he's talking about the women there. He's talking about the men. Always learning, but never, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Does that not sound like our culture? We're always learning, learning, learning. But we don't want real truth. We don't want truth that says, if you sin, you will die. That was a very basic step back in the Garden of Eden. If you sin, you will, we don't want that. We want to sin without consequence. We want to do it how we want to do it. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose truth. Get this one. They are men of deprived, depraved minds who, as far as faith is concerned, are rejected. They don't place their faith in God. They don't place their hope. They're continually learning. We can continually grab hold of things. We'll get truth that way. That's not reality. But they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Here's here's a reality, folks. You look at the world that we live in and that folly is not really clear to everyone. There are so many people that are blinded and deceived and continue to go down this road that says we can do it our own way. We can do it our own way. We can do it our own way. I pray on a regular basis. Our men's group, for example, we pray on a regular basis that God will give our Supreme Court dreams maybe even nightmares, maybe even terrors, that God would wake them up about the folly. We pray for our our political leaders that God would give them dreams and visions that would terrify them and cause them to turn back to him. That they would, God would put believers in their path who would speak life and hope and truth because the reality is that's what we need for our nation. That's what we need. And it takes a group of people like you and I living our lives in right standing with God saying, you know what, we're not going to go that way. We're not going to do those things. You, however, Paul's writing to the church, you, however, know about my teachings and my way of life and my purpose and my faith and my patience, my love and my endurance, the persecutions and the sufferings. So he's not just talking about the good things. He said, even if you see all the good things, you saw that I had to go through some persecutions for that. When you stand up for things that are right at work, somebody might call you names. You might be called a holy roller. You might be called a Bible thumper. You might be called one of those churchy kids. Who cares? Who cares? Would you rather stand up for what's right? 
Who cares? You know, we spend so much time pleasing people as teenagers and as kids that we will never see again. Who cares? I know, I know. What things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystrum and the persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We want all the promises that say God's going to give us all the money and we're going to get the nice cars and we're going to get the nicest house. We're going to have the best house on the block. Paul says, guess what? You're also going to get persecuted. It's going to happen. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy, speaking to Timothy, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants to equip us for good works all around us, even though the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, because it is, I'm sorry I said it in church, but even though it's going there, we don't have to. We can breathe life, we can speak peace, we can speak hope, but we have to do it under the constraints of knowing the Holy Spirit ourselves. If we're going to take in every kind of folly and just do all the kinds of things that we want to do and not practice any self-control, then we're going to lose it just like the rest of the world. Right? Right? <laughs> we got to have self-control. We have to have self-control. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Do we do that? How do we do that? How do we walk in that? How do we serve people? Proverbs says this, we read Proverbs a lot in our men's group. Proverbs 27 and verse 20. Death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are the human eyes. The writer of Proverbs is saying, listen, you are never, you're, you're never gonna be satisfied. You get a new truck this year, you're gonna want a new truck next year. You, want, you got the biggest and best tires they made, guess what, you're gonna want bigger and better tires next year. You got the nicest house on the block, somebody's gonna do a nicer house, so you're gonna want the nicer house. That's just never gonna get satisfied, get used to it. So what we need to do is continue to crucify the flesh, continue to lay down our lives and say, it's not about that. God, if you've blessed us with so much income that I can buy everything under the sun, maybe God's blessed you to allow you to pour back into somebody else's life God wants to use those not just and it's not just money it's time it's 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 counsel it's everything but we're confused about whether God even belongs in our nation how many of you ever seen the movie the princess bride okay so in the princess bride we have the dread pirate Roberts okay all right so the dread pirate Roberts is okay so so princess buttercup 
Man, you were really quick. Man, you just jumped right. This, this will teach you. This will teach you. So you have the, the princess buttercup and, her, and her, her betrothed, okay, Wesley, was, was uh, 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 shipwrecked. He's going to go out and seek fame and fortune for, for, for her so that they can marry. Well, his ship gets overtaken by the dread pirate Roberts. Years down the road, five years down the road, Wesley shows up, and he's the dread pirate Roberts. Well, how did that happen? You remember how it happened? How did it happen? <laughs> How did this happen? How did this happen? So, Wesley got captured by Dread Pirate Roberts. And what did the Dread Pirate Roberts say to him? Come he on, said, come, 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 come. You can play along. You sit up front. He'd make him work every day, you know. Oh, do this, do this, do this. Oh, Wesley, you did a good job today. I'll, I'll surely kill you in the morning. Uh, <laughs> that happened for five years. And then after a while, he, he uh, brought Wesley in the other room and he said, All right, now, Wesley, I have something to tell you. My name's not Robert. Your name's not Roberts. You are, who was he? You remember his name? I don't even know his I name. I don't either. I don't it's remember his name, name He said, the real Dread Pirate Roberts has been retired for 20 years. He's been living on an island that he bought himself. And then now I'm not the Dread Pirate Roberts, and now I want to give you. How did he convince him? How did they convince people that he was the Dread Pirate Roberts? They told him that he was. Well, no, 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 no. How did they convince everybody that he was the Dread Pirate Roberts? Every every time oh, they would put yeah, he see, started see. Calling him, every time started they would put into port, to. the old Dread Pirate Roberts would would bring on a new crew and they'd tell the new, oh, this is the Dread Pirate Roberts. So they convinced everybody that Wesley was the Dread Pirate Roberts. Because they couldn't leave any captors alive, any of their prisoners alive. And so he became the Dread Pirate Roberts because they convinced everybody around that that's who he was. Right? Hang on, there's a point. There's a point. That makes sense? That's how they did it. He was not the Dread Pirate Roberts to begin with. Somebody else was. But the, the guy came on and said, his name was Smith. The guy came on and he said, I'm going to call you Roberts so that everybody believes you're Roberts. And then, then when he retires, he brings old Wesley in and he says, I, no, I, I'm not the Dread Pirate Roberts. That guy was Roberts. But I want everybody to believe that you're Roberts. So I, I, when we bring on a new crew, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call you Roberts. And eventually everybody's going to believe that. Right? And at the end of this, uh, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. Okay? He's going to make Inigo Montoya the new Dread Pirate Roberts by convincing the crew that that's who. See that lie? Do you see that deception? Go ahead and sit down. Thanks for playing along. I'm glad you really knew those lions. You knew them better than I did. Listen, here's what happens. We live in a world that wants to convince us that God is not important. Listen, God's not really important. You can really do this on your own. You can do this on your own. You can do this on your own. You can do this on your own. And about the time you believe that you can do it on your own, you decide to tell Grace because she's younger and she's coming up. You can do it on your own. You can do it on your own. And the next thing you know, we're all believing that we can do it on our own. And the reality is we could never do it on our own right from the beginning. You realize we've... We've got that same lie going on in our nation all the time. We're hearing more and more and more and more of it. Nation, America wasn't founded on God's principles. Come on. These guys were all heathens. They're not founded on God's principles. They're terrible guys. They're not founded on God's principles. And yet, we can go through and we can look at our history as a nation. Boy, I'm running out of time. We can look at our... I'm on page six of nine. I only got three more pages to go. <laughs> but it's taken me this long to get through six. God is in our heritage. The first act of the United States Congress was to authorize 20,000 Bibles, 
That was their first act as a Congress, was to authorize the printing of 20,000 Bibles to give out to the Native Americans. Did you know that? Did you know that our first president, George Washington, under the new Constitution, received a request from both houses of Congress to, to say, you know, we need to celebrate. So he put together a day of, of prayer and celebration called Thanksgiving. That came from both houses of Congress. We need to celebrate what God has done. Abraham Lincoln actually established a national day of fasting for our country because we'd received so many blessings, but we forgot where they came from. And so Abraham Lincoln said, I want to declare a national fast so that everybody remembers that this came from God. It did not come from us. Can you imagine the White House doing that today? You see, what's happened is we've continued to believe the lie that we don't need God, we don't need God, we don't need God. It comes on every level so much so that now we're thinking, well, maybe we really don't need God. And we're a nation who's walked away from God little by little because of the freedoms that we have been given. Tim LaHaye says, this Christian conscience uh, is easily verified by the fact that prior to 1789, the year that 11 of the 13 states ratified the Constitution, many of those states' constitutions still required that a man must be a Christian in order to hold public office. You had to be a Christian. Our nation was founded on God. You had to be a Christian in order to hold public office. It was understood by, by leaders as late as, as 1876. That's again when, when Lincoln um, set that, that day of fast. Uh, it's reported on March 27, 1854, the House Senate and Judiciary Committee uh, came to the founders and said uh, that if, had they known that the revolution was going to cause such an attack on Christianity that they would have aborted the, the revolution. They were so the, 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 the foundations of Christianity were so important. The House and the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, of the 1800s, um, 1779, after the first, uh, established the First Amendment. You know, the First Amendment is about religious freedom. We, we take this amendment and we say, there is no, no church and state. That's not what the First Amendment is about at all. The First Amendment, I'm going to boil it down because of time. The First Amendment says that the government cannot impose a state religion on us, nor can the government restrict us from any religious beliefs. That's not what we're told, is it? You can't have church and government. You can't have that together. That's not what it says at all. It was just the opposite. Church should be free so that we can be a godly nation. Our leaders knew they wanted God in government. And the, uh, a 10-year study of political science, professors at the University of Houston researched over 15,000 writings of our founders. And they, they chose... 3,100 quotes directly from these writings. And of those 31 quotes, over 34% of them came directly from the Bible. 60% were quotes by pe from people like uh, Sir William Blackstone and, and John Locke. These guys did phenomenal uh, Christian writings. 94% of the quotes from the, from, from the founders came from the Bible. James Madison um, said this, we have staked the whole future of American civilization not on the power of government, far from it. Listen to this. 
He is the chief architect, one of the chief architects of the Constitution. We have staked the entire future of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. That was a guy who wrote the Constitution, right? And we want to walk away and go, uh, I want freedom, I want freedom, I want freedom. I feel like God's up there again. So what? I don't care. We as a nation, we go, oh, you know, we're Christians. We got to be nice. We got to be loving. Yeah, be nice. Be loving. Stand for something. Stand for something. Stand for something. Listen to what the Supreme Court in 1892 wrote. Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon and embody the teachings of our Redeemer of mankind. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. In this sense and to this extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. That's what the Supreme Court said about our nation in the 1800s. If we look around today, we don't see that. In 1811, the Supreme Court wrote this. Whatever strikes at the root of Christianity tends manifestly to the disillusionment of civil government. If anything comes after Christianity, it's destroying our civil government. Anything comes after Christianity. Our founding fathers based our system of government on the word of God. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 22 says the Lord is our judge. That's our judicial system. The Lord is our lawgiver. That's our legislative system. The Lord is our king. That's the executive branch. It is he who saves us. This could just go on and on and on. Education, God belongs in our education system. I, I would challenge you, I would challenge you as you leave here some, at some point, go home and look up, uh, go on Google and look up the New England Primer. It was a standard of textbooks for over 200 years. It started in Boston in, eight, in 1690. You can find it online. There's 84 pages. I just want to read a couple pages. Uh, First of all, 84 pages. In it, you'll find the Lord's Prayer. You'll find the Apostles' Creed. And then there's the alphabet. A, A, big block, A, the definition. In Adam, in Adam's fall, we all sinned. B, heaven to find, keep the Bible in mind. C, Christ crucified for sinners died. For 200 years, this was taught as a textbook in schools. One page is titled A Lesson for Children. It's just this list. It's just this list. <laughs> list starts. Pray to God. Love God. Fear God. Serve God. Do not take God's name in vain. Do not swear. Do not steal. And that's just the first half of that page. Does God belong in our education system? Does God belong in our education system? Yes, we've worked so long to take it out, take him out. We've let, let Madeline Murray O'Hare push out, push God, push out prayer, push out this, push out that. We have to stand for this stuff. We have to stand and say, you know, this is not, for so long we have believed just like the Dread Pirate Roberts that it wasn't meant to be this way. It wasn't meant to be this way. Listen to, okay, I'm gonna close with this. I can't, I'm gonna close with this. 
Our educational institutions were found with God, it was founded with God at the center. Listen to these statements of our major colleges in the United States. Yale, this is a major founding statement of Yale. Seeing God is the giver of all wisdom, every scholar besides private or secret prayer shall be present morning and evening at public prayer. I'm gonna have our worship team come up for a minute. Princeton, cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. Can you imagine that at a major Princeton University? Harvard, let every student plainly be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus, which is eternal life. John 17, 3. And therefore, to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of sound knowledge and learning. Everyone shall exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day and shall be ready to give such an account for his proficiency therein. This is a college that required students to read scripture twice a day. Well, pastor, we've just grown so much smarter than since then. Really. And now we want to make it legal to kill babies 28 days after they're born. You should have a time, a waiting period, just to see if this is what you really want. No. No, we should not. In the 1800s, each of the state's constitutions mandated Christian teaching would be included in their child's education. I could just, I could just go on and on, on and on. We have sung a new song in the last couple of months, and I just want to close with this song this morning. It's called The Blessing. And, and it just so moves me. But we need to... We need to be a blessing. We need to bless. We need to bless God. God wants to bless us. He wants to go before us. He wants to go after us. It comes when we grab a hold of the truth and we have self-control in our life. But I'm going to encourage you this morning, just take this song in. Let's stand up and we'll sing together and we'll just declare this blessing over our nation. Declare it over people. If you want to, I tell you what, I can't hardly not walk over and put my hands on somebody and just pray for them a blessing while we're, while we're singing this.
Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the blessings that you have poured out on us. And we do feel like you've gone before us and around us and beside us and behind us. And you're in us and you're through us. So God, with that in mind, we want to be a people that blesses you. We want to be a people that walks in obedience to you. We want to be a people that do not take our freedoms lightly. We want to be a people who understand you have called us. You have called us to speak life and to speak hope and to speak peace. And I pray, God, you will convict each one of us those days when we step over the bounds, we step over the line, and we begin using that freedom in a way that we shouldn't. And I pray you'd help us to live lives that are honorable, God, and truly be a blessing to you. We thank you. Thank you, God, for moving in the hearts of our Supreme Court. Thank you for, for righteousness. God, your word says that when, a, when a, a nation is righteous, a people prosper. It's not about prosperity, God. We just want to be right in right stead with you, Father. Help us to live that way and to walk that way every day. It's our heart's desire, God, to bless you. Thank you, God, for your goodness. We worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great, great day.